Welcome to the Pulse WV Live, a network that beats to the heart of God. I'm your host, John Fowler, and also with us today is Pastor Jay Mace. As we discuss uh, part 19, you and John Sandy are like, I think you're in competition on how long you can carry out a series, (laughs) because John's really like that, too. It's like, here's 422, you know. But uh, anyway, really enjoying that series. Do me a favor and uh, download uh, the app, the Pulse WV Live app, and you can get it uh, on the Google Store uh, for the Android or also uh, at the, uh, what is it for Apple? Is that just a... It's Apple Store. Apple Store, yeah. yeah. You can go to the Apple Store. App Store. Go to the App Store and download the Pulse WV Live and be sure to give us a ranking and also tell your friends about it because it gives you... 24 hours a day, seven days a week, music and preaching that is some of the best preaching and and uh, teaching this side of heaven, and I know you'll enjoy it. Give pa- us a good rating. Absolutely. Yeah, don't pa- give us a bad rating. Yeah, God will get you if you do. He will. He'll, he'll give you the wide eye. I remember Jack Cart used to. <laughs> Jack Cart, yeah. remember that? You do? Yep. Jack Cart used to say, I'm going to pray the wide eye on you. I remember that. <laughs> oh, man, that brings a rush of memories back. Doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, gosh, traveling around on that bus. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I didn't do it nearly as much as you did it, but it was some crazy weekends. There was um there's a on Facebook the other day they were, they were showing a picture of a bus that was, had a name called Samson. Mm-hmm. And uh they said does anybody know whose bus this was? And Tim Surrett, who used to be mm-hmm. with the Kingsman, uh, he said oh, I've been on that bus many a times and when he traveled with the Kingsman that was their bus. Yeah. And it was uh, one of those 45-foot buses that you couldn't take at that point into California. Mm. So they always had to. But, I mean, it was one of the big ones. And I love traveling on a bus. Tim Morris bought a bus. Did he? Yeah, he bought a he bought an Eagle. Uh, got a real cheap deal on it. And uh, it actually is a nice bus. And I wanted, I wanted to go in half on him, but he wouldn't do it. Wouldn't he do just it. wanted to own it. He told, he told me, he says, but you can borrow it any time you want to. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so I thought that would, I thought that would be good. So what's going on in the world of uh, Winfield Pulse? Well, trying to uh, trying to get our drywall finished and trying to uh, get everything uh, lined out for Bible school, which starts in um, uh, less than two weeks at this point. And um, then following that, we made the announcement, the, the official announcement this past Sunday. We've been teasing a save the date for it, but we are hosting um, the Make marriages magnificent conference yes uh, with dr gerald pingleton uh who we met at the ignite conference and um uh who um works there at the school as well as liberty university um in the lynchburg area and just a phenomenal phenomenal man and and i told the church sunday when we gave the full uh details on it and um put the event page out on facebook you and I almost didn't go to no, that to that didn't. session because we signed up late for the session, so we kind of just got what was what was available, and we got thrown into um, the marriage session. Yeah, and you know we're thinking, you know, we've been married thirty years, you know, let's let's you know go drink coffee or something instead, and so we almost didn't go. And um, the last minute, it was kind of like, no, I think we need to go. Yeah. And it was phenomenal. Very good. Phenomenal. Um, He just did an amazing job, um, compelled me so much to reach out to him, had great conversations with him over the phone and and over email and text. And um, so we have set up this conference. It's going to be August 18th, 19th, and 20th, be the Friday evening uh, on a few hours, and then all day Saturday, and then he will be preaching our Sunday morning um, message that day. Um, so we are excited, and I don't know about you, but I see it all over my Facebook. I see it all over um, the church. I've got a number of people reaching out to me asking for help. Marriages are in distress yes. in this country, and um, you know we've we've gone through. Um, some things in our church, there are no secrets, I'm not talking about anyone, but we have seen the attack that the enemy is putting on marriages. And I believe, John, I firmly believe it is it is Satan's last stand. Yeah, I believe he has a hold on everything else, 
and his goal now is to tear down marriages. Yeah. In his last stand to take as many as as he can to hell with him. And um you know and so there was so much of this that after we went to that conference heard the things that he had to say and I mean things I needed to hear. It you was know. Very good. I learned um, some things. Not that I'm perfect but you know I think Sam and I've overcome a lot in our marriage and you know and and have come to a good place but there were still things I needed to hear mm. you know and everything and I'm thinking if I need to hear this stuff you know then this person who's single begging for a wife needs to hear it this person whose marriage is crumbling needs to hear it you know these people who are engaged and and getting ready to start a family together in the church need to hear it Yes, and everything else. So if I needed to hear it, there's tons of other people mm-hmm. um, who aren't in as good of a place as I am in my marriage who need to hear it. Yeah, And um, it just really started burning with me. And then several things happened, uh, several marriages, families in distress that we know. And I, I just talked with our leaders and, and I was like, it's time we start fighting back. And, um, yeah. you know, I'm not going to sit back and and take this. And, and so I reached out to, to Dr. Pingleton. He tells me to call him Jared every time I say that, but mm-hmm. I, I reached out to him. We had amazing conversations back and forth for about a week That's awesome. and, and we put it in stone. So we are beyond excited. We're going to do a, a better promo video for it and, and, and a lot of things, but the information is already out there. So I just wanted to to hit that real quick since you asked and, and say that we're excited. Uh, there will be a small registration fee that is to cover his expenses. It's, you know, he's not asking for a buttload of money, man. He's, he's coming cheap. Um, I was shocked at, at what he was willing to do it for. And, um, so we, we just want to cover his expenses. Um, and then we'll be putting some food and, and stuff together um, for Friday evening and for Saturday lunch. Right. Um, and so, you know, the, the charges is basically just to cover those expenses. And um, so it won't be very much at all. And we want you committed. We want you committed to being there. And if we say free, everyone's going to sign up. But at the last minute, they don't have any dollars on the table. Right. So they're just going to be like, yeah, we can blow this off and do nothing mm-hmm. while, you know, you, you don't receive um, the knowledge and the instruction that you need to receive. So um, we want you to be committed. We want you to come, and um, and we're making it affordable, and um, we're just excited. That's exciting. I, I remember <coughs> Pastor Jay back uh, probably 15 years ago. It may, have been, it may have been about 15 years ago. I remember Christy and I were not in a good place mm-hmm. in our marriage. Ministry had really beat up on us good at that point, and— and we just were not at a good spot. And so she had heard of a um, marriage seminar down in Myrtle Beach. And this is wintertime. So, I mean, it's not like we were on the beach all weekend. Mm-hmm. And we went to the seminar, a uh, marriage seminar. It was two days. And we did so much writing. You know, she would write, I would write. And then we would, you know, there's times she would be gone at, at the hotel room and she's writing. There's times that I would write. Um, you know, and then, then we would go back and we would read those, what we, what we read to each other. Mm-hmm. And there's many times that I'm sitting there writing and tears are just running down my eyes. Sure. There were times that, you know, I would read to her, you know, what I wrote because it, there were times that we had to do that. And, and there was t- just times that you were just weeping cause you were just broken mm-hmm. and that healed our marriage in a miraculous way. Like Wonderful. you would never believe. Here, here was the neat thing about it, and I'm being transparent here because sure. you know, every, I mean, we've been married 34 years, and but we've the the key to it is, and I think this is one of the things that people don't realize, is they're so prideful mm. that they need that they they don't know how to ask for help. Yeah. Well, we got to that place where we just felt like we needed you know help, and so here was the amazing part of that. After after the whole weekend, and they get down to the end of it, they tell us, and this is something that I recommend for this, each couple that had, was signed up for the marriage event had an intercessor couple all weekend. Mm. There was somebody that was praying 
for Christy and I mm. all weekend. That's powerful. Yeah. And then they then they gave us the contact information of people that were praying for us. Wow. So we so we were able to reach out to them. Wow. And they reached out to us and I just, I just get chills when I tell it. Sure. And these people weren't around that area. Right. These people all over the world. Right. And they were praying for Christy and me. That's phenomenal. And yep. I just think that, you know, if we can, because I know you're big on intercession, everything yep. that, that's been in Promise Keepers, you've always been a part of that. Yep. And so if once we figure out everybody who's signed up, if we can find an intercessor for that couple to pray all weekend. That's fabulous. Man, yep. that would be like so cool. Yep. But and, and God healed our marriage. Wonderful. And God restored us. And because uh, we were in a tough spot. Yeah. And uh, but. The first thing that you have to do is if you if you're thinking about signing up for this, uh, what do you call it? What's it? What's the name of it? Uh, making marriages magnificent. Make, making marriages marriages magnificent. If if you sign up for that and you and you say, well, I don't want to sign up for that because people will think that we're having marital trouble. Don't worry about that part. Well, but it's not even that. I mean, this is open to singles. Right. It's open to people who are engaged and not yet married. I mean, what we're It's not about what things he's that are really bad. doing. Yeah, no. And you don't have to have a bad marriage to come. Right. You know, we want I don't you know, if you're eighteen years old and just out of high school and and want a marriage that's magnif- godly magnificent one day, if that's next year or ten years from now. You need to be here mm-hmm. um, because what we're really doing is um, – and his book outlines this beautifully because um, I've read his book since the conference. And what it really does is it, it shows us the godly design of marriage and the, the godly design of the roles of marriage and how if we do it by God's design, then everyone is edified. Mm-hmm. Everyone is honored. And everyone becomes blessed right. by God. Therefore, the, the marriage becomes blessed. And, and that, that, that doesn't even come close to breaking it down on the level that, that he breaks it down on. But, yeah. but that's what we need to understand. And there's a lot of people, and, and we're going we're gonna to push this really hard. There are a lot of people out in this world who get married and never understand the godly design of it. Right. And and so if you're single and you hear this, you need to be there more yeah, than good. anyone because you need to understand before you ever say I do. Yeah. What God's design for you is in this and and, and the power when we do it God's way, the power that we have to overcome the stuff because yeah. there's always going to be stuff. Yeah. You know, Sam and I have been married almost 30 years. We still deal with stuff and, and, you know, add the ministry on top of that. We deal with even more stuff and everything. But, you know, putting all of that aside, your average couple is always going to deal with stuff. Mm-hmm. And so learning before you get there. Yes. How to approach it and how to deal with it will make your marriage magnificent. And, and, and we're excited. This is a fight back for us. This is. Yeah. This is us as saying, okay, you know, Satan, we, you knocked us down the first few rounds, but we're, we're coming back on yeah. fire. So, um, you know, we're excited to see what God's going to do with it. I've always, um, I've always been so fascinated with, um, and, and so respectfully <clears throat> just, just learned so much from you and Sam on, on your family and raising your boys and just how, how wonderful both of them are. And I mean, I've just, I absolutely just think that you and Sam are just top notch when it comes to marriage and it comes to, it comes to raising your boys. And, and I, I know that, uh, you and Dr. James Dobson have had many conversations. We have, um, we have <laughs> indeed, um, you know, and, and Jesus in there too, but, um, yeah, uh, I mean, we could, we could spend, I know you have some big questions you said for me, but, oh yeah, um, this is good. Um, you yeah, I could spend the next, tell him you can't make it for a couple hours. I could spend the next, uh, hour talking uh, about that, but, um, yeah, um, you know, we, we, we got pregnant three months in and I was like, holy crap, I'm not ready for this. So I, I went and read just about anything Dobson had ever, ever written and, um, read it and read it again and, and read it again. And, um, 
you know, we, we're not perfect by, by any means, but we just, we made our center Jesus Christ yes, always. And, you know, the boys would sometimes ask, well, why do we go to church? No one else goes to church on Wednesday nights or no one else does this or no one else does that. And I, my response was always because this is who we are. Yes. And, and we just made it, we just made it a banner over our lives to be those, those Christians and those servants that always went the extra mile, um, you know, when it came to, um, the Lord and, um, you know, and, and, you know, I, I'm not saying it was easy, but thankful that our boys bought in, thankful that they're strong in the Lord, thankful that they're touching lives yes. in what they do every day at the, you know, Luke teaching and, and coaching at the, the high school and middle school level, Isaac working at Camp Appalachia, um, and, and touching lives there as well as in our programs at the church. So we're just, we're just thankful. Yes. It's a, it's awesome things having your children side by side with you in ministry. And, and, uh, just, I think that's a, just an awesome thing as, as we get into, and, and I'm, and the, these are questions today that I'm asking, uh, if I was sitting in your congregation, which I do when I listen and, and it's, it's just like, I'm virtually sitting there and, and I'm thinking, as somebody who I respect, I'm thinking, okay, I don't understand this. I need to know. I need I need to dig a little deeper because I always ask that question. You're looking at me real funny. I'm and, just waiting. I'm just waiting. <laughs> and so this this absolutely really doesn't have anything to do with your with your sermon, but it's something that you read within the sermon. And um, so I just thought thought I would get this get this one out of the way too. Okay, so if you look at at John chapter eleven. Mm-hmm. And which is where you where you've been. We're talking about Lazarus. And so one of the questions that I have to learn from you on it, it's in here twice. It's in verse 33 and it's also in verse 38. It said this, it says, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. Then if you look at verse 38, just a couple down, Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave, and it was a cave and a stone lay upon it. When you think of the way we are in the world today and with what's going on as we as we continue into Jesus together, part 19, what does groaning mean? represent in this scripture and then how do we relate it to today wow um i know the answer i just need to think of how to put it into words well let me give you another scripture while you do without without offending because because i I think you're spot on john and i think you are um did i mess up the picture because i leaned back instead of sitting forward no, you're fine. Okay. Can I read um, one more scripture before? Sure. Yep. Okay. Romans chapter 8, 26 references this scripture, or is it what I was just asking. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray, for we ought, but the Spirit itself making intercession for us with groaning, which cannot be uttered. So there's a scripture that that backs up yep. uh, uh, John chapter eleven. So yep. Um, and and for those who who weren't at church on Sunday, this was not part of my message, um, but may play into to where we're going this week. Um, here's here's what I think was going on in in that moment, and I I hit on this a little bit Sunday, and I hope with God's help to hit on it more this week. Because this is a big chapter. There's a lot happening there here, is. a lot to break down. Um, so I think this will be our fourth week on chapter 11 coming up. But um, but that's okay because you know we're not in any rush on this, and you know I've I've been dedicated to it. You know the other people that speak in our church are probably like, oh, when are we going to get speaking and everything? But Next but year. I just I just feel really <laughs> focused on this because I think it's it's needful. Let us let's remember. Let's go back to the beginning. 
we started this series in the beginning because I was I was distressed and I felt like a lot of the church were operating in a sense of religion and operating in a sense of morality and not really grabbing hold of the ministry of Jesus Christ. And, you know, we all talk about power and we all talk about gifts and we all talk about all of the things that were promised in, in multiple places in Scripture. So those are there. Those are promises. Those are absolutes. And I don't, I don't care what your denomination is. You can't argue those things. If you believe any jot or tittle of Scripture, then you have to believe those too, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you have to you have to understand how you get to those places and how the power manifests itself in you, right? Because if not, we can confuse emotion with power. We can confuse energy with power. We can confuse, um, uh, you know, uh, theatrics with power, right? And and we've seen those mistakes in the church for years. And, and so I wanted to present the ministry of Christ to the church this year as a, as a coming out call to the church, right? Mm-hmm. It's time, not saying you're not saved, but, but I am saying that you don't understand Jesus very well. Right. right? And, and so we have to do better at that. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, right? right? The Word was God, right? Mm-hmm. So from, from the beginning of John, we're told, here's Jesus. Mm-hmm. He exemplifies 100% the Word, meaning he 100% exemplifies the Father. Yes. Right? So he is God. Yes. In the flesh. Later on in John 1, it tells us, I can't remember the verse off my head, but later on in, in verse, in chapter 1, it tells us, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. All right. Right? So what does that mean? It means from that point forward, we're told Jesus is our authoritative, godly, omnipotent, omniscient, all-seeing, all-knowing, all-doing mm-hmm. God. Right? Yeah. Jesus is our authoritative example in the flesh of who God is and what God intends for our life. So what, what's basically God saying to us there? He's saying, watch him, mm-hmm. learn from him, follow him, and allow him to rule your life. Yes. Become like him, mm-hmm. right? And, and so we don't become like him in morality, right? We don't become like him in religion. We become like him in relationship. And we hear that all the time. You know, it's not a religion, it's a relationship, right? Well, if I'm an, if I'm a new Christian or if I'm, if I'm a sinner, right? Well, what the heck does that mean? Right? You want me to have a relationship with a dead guy? You know, you want me to have a relationship with, with someone in heaven that I don't see? You know, so I, I don't ever understand how non-believers and, and non- you know, even unfounded Christians, people, by unfounded, I mean not present in the word, Christians who don't understand the workings of the Spirit. I'm getting to your question. No, you're good. Who don't understand the workings of the Spirit. How do they ever understand the whole religion thing and, and, and relationship thing? Mm-hmm. How do they get that? Because what they see is what they get, right? Yeah. So I'm watching John Fowler. Right. right. And John Fowler's this type of Christian. So now I'm doing the things I see John do. I'm doing the things I see John preach. I'm I'm doing the things that I have seen an example of. And that's the kind of Christian I become. Right? So we start following what we see, right? Rather than the the authoritative example of Jesus Christ. Wow. And so ultimately we are in a place where we need to forget everything and everyone else and focus on Jesus only. All right. Right? For us to get Jesus right, we have to focus on 
on Jesus. And, and so and the Chosen does a really good job of this. But it, it presents the tension between Jesus and his disciples and between the religion of the day very well. And, and you say, well, those are his disciples. Why, why was there tension? Because they, they were John Fowler Christians. They were J. Mace Christians. They were, you know, whoever's name you want to throw out there, Christians, because they were, they were following and imitating those examples. Gotcha. Now the authoritative example comes. Mm. Right now, the word in the flesh comes, and it says, "No, no, no, no! Follow me this way. Think like this. Talk like this. Do these things. Don't do these things." Right, and and it becomes a rub, especially to the Jews. It becomes a rub to what they had seen, what they had practiced, and and to what largely made up their lifestyle, mm. and. Everyone is is kind of in a place where this is not what I know. This is not what I think. This is not how I feel. This is not how mom and dad did it. This is not how the church I was raised in did it. This is not how the world does it. Right. And and now you're giving me something that you say is better. And the only example I have of that is you. Wow. Right. Yeah. So and, and when we start talking about relationship, that's what we're talking about. Jesus is is not inv- just inviting us on a journey, but he's inviting inviting us on a a spiritual journey with inside of our inside of ourselves right. with him. So when we come to this moment in, in John 11, where you know, Martha and Mary and the crowd are, are weeping and grieving and hurting. And in this moment where Jesus knows he's bringing Lazarus back to the earth, right? Where do, where do we know Lazarus is? We know him to be in the tomb. He's in the tomb physically. And it would be in and, paradise. And he spiritually is in paradise with Jesus. Now, forget everything else because, you know, there's, there's a million different theologies and arguments on what paradise is and where paradise is and, and, and everything else. Here's what we know. It's, it's over on the other side of Red House. <laughs> here's what we know. It's with Jesus. It is, it is the final, it is the final chapter of having that intimate relationship with Jesus. Right. Right. It is the culmination of all that we've worked for and all that we've done. Mm-hmm. We're with Jesus. Yeah. Right. It's good. Jesus here in, in John 11, in his conversations with Martha and Mary, Martha and Mary approached him very differently. Both of them approached him very differently in his conversations with them. He made it very clear to them. You're not with me. Wow. You believe in me, right? You walk with me. You understand my power, but you don't understand where it is I'm asking you to go. That's good. Right? And and that is is the crux, in, in my opinion, that is the crux of the groanings. I think Jesus is grieved for two reasons. I believe he's grieved because those closest to him don't understand the next depth. And this happens a lot in churches, and it happens a lot in Christianity, that we step into a level that requires so much self-denial and requires so much relent on our part to the fullness of God and the fullness of who Jesus is. And what do we do? We take a step back. Mm. We take a step back. What did Jesus say ultimately to both of them? I'm paraphrasing big time, but what did Jesus say to, to Martha and Mary both? I'm the resurrection, right? Right. Right. You, you, you believe in me, 
Do you understand where I'm asking you to go in this? Mm-hmm. Do you understand what I'm asking you to believe in this? I am the resurrection, right? Mm-hmm. It's not a tomorrow thing. It's not a next week, next year thing. The physical event might happen next week, next year, right? 10 years, whatever. But in your presence, I am the resurrection, right? And if you believe in me, you won't see death. And and I need you to believe that about your brother. Because if you don't believe it about your brother, you're never going to believe it about yourself. That's good. Right? So I believe Jesus is grieved because Martha and Mary haven't arrived on that level yet. They didn't have a clue, did they? They, they, they weren't ready to step into that depth. Yeah. They weren't there. Good people going to paradise themselves if they died. Mm-hmm. Right? All, all the boxes checked. Yeah. But he was asking them to go to a deeper place, a deeper relationship with him than they had conceived in their heart or in their head. So I believe he was grieved. Then I believe he was extra grieved at the tomb because he knew where he was bringing Lazarus back from. Mm. I believe I believe he was present with Lazarus while yet in the body. He was present with Lazarus in that place mm-hmm. in such a way that in his spirit he was grieved that he had to bring someone back to this earth. Wow. Because, and, and you know, it, it, it was absolutely a spiritual thing because these groanings are spiritual things. Right. You know, this isn't us just whining around having a pity party. Yeah, because it says in, it says he groaned in the in spirit. In the spirit. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Yep, yeah, exactly. Good. So these, these aren't just pity party groanings. These are, these are j- just spiritual spiritual level groanings of oh they don't get it i need them to step into this right and then there's that that absolute remorse of i can't believe he's there and i have to bring him back to this and and this level of thinking and this this level of doing and, and this level of, of tension and, and contrition and everything. So I, th- I think it was two parts. Right. And, and I think he was grieved at, at the lack of, of depth in, in Martha and Mary as well as everybody else present. And, and I believed he was grieved in himself that he was going to have to do the unthinkable let and me, bring somebody back. Let me ask you something. <clears throat> do you think that he was also at a place where he was interceding over the doubt and unbelief of those people that were around him. Do you think there was any interceding that was going on there because he felt that and and, and where he felt it? I mean, you know, as well as I do, you've prayed for people in crowds and you knew there were people that were doubting Mm. that were out there and you know, he would have had to feel that this is a big thing, bringing back somebody from the dead. You know, that's a big thing. And so I'm wondering if, the Romans, um, the Romans chapter eight that I read, uh, verse twenty six, talk about the Spirit intercedes for us. I wonder if there's another part to that, to where Jesus was interceding over the doubt and the unbelief of those people that were around, yeah. and he was grieved by it. Verse forty one and forty two, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, "Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by." The answer to your question, yes, he was interceding. Absolutely, he was interceding. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. That's so good. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. There's another sermon. (laughs) (laughs) Hope you all have a good day. (laughs) That's so awesome. Shoo. That's good stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. Four days. <clears throat> Significance of that. I've, I've, I had to back it up, you know, because uh, you were talking about the four-day significance of why Lazarus was in the tomb and what uh, the custom was that um, their spirit actually um, hovers around that area 
for four days. And and I want to I want to give for you three a, days for three days. Yeah, yeah three days. Four days was significant because the belief was there's no hope of resurrection after the fourth after, after the third, third day, day after yeah. third day. So. Isn't, it a, isn't it amazing Jesus raised on the third day? Yeah. Now all this is a okay. So let me give you an let me give you an, a, a, a situation here. And I believe that. And let me tell you why. When my mom passed away, um, we went back to the, after she passed away, she wasn't sick. She just, her heart just quit and she died and they couldn't get her back. So we all went back to the house, uh, to mom and dad's house. And I made breakfast for everybody. And I literally felt my mom's presence so much in that, in that kitchen. Now you can say, that you were grieving and you were all that. I mean, we've been doing this a long time. You yeah. and I, you and I have been in the same room where people died. Does, yep. uh, you know, we've been there. Yep. And, and so, you know, I had my wits about me. But I knew that woman's spirit was in that room. Mm. She was in that kitchen with me. I, and I can't, if you held a gun to my head and said, you deny that, I can't. Mm. And I almost turned around and looked at her. I mean, I almost turned around and said, hand me a paper towel. Mm. I mean, that's how... That's how. And so the second time I felt her three times, I felt her three times. The other time was in my office at the house. I was working on the funeral. And I, I mean, you know how, not that your mom stinks, but you, they have a, you know, everybody has a smell, you right. know, and, and I, I have just felt her, you know, while I was working on the sermon and then the third time was Lindsay, our daughter, was going to sing uh, during the funeral. And I was sitting over playing the piano, and she was rehearsing one of the songs. And I felt her again. And after that, I remember driving to the, to the service, uh, which was at uh, Harding's funeral home up in Canal City. And uh, I remember crossing... The St. Albans, uh, the St. Albans Bridge going going on the interstate. Remember, it was cold. Then January it was snowing. And it was just a just a really miserable cold day. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Spirit of the Lord spoke to me. And He spoke to me. He says, "I've allowed you to feel your mom's presence three times." He says, "You won't ever feel her again." Mm-hmm. He says, "There's no time for you to grieve. I have a work for you to do." And he told me that. I don't doubt that. Anything that I've told you, I know happened. So when when you read that, I mean, when you talked about that on Sunday, I said, yes, that is true. The significance of that. Have you ever experienced anything like that? Yes. Um, wow. So many different. Um, I hate to call them stories, but, but happenings, but, but yes, I have, um, when my mom died, um, she, um, she died quickly. She died suddenly. Um, they tried to resuscitate her. They came to me and said that, you know, what was, what was going on? They were trying to resuscitate her and, and I asked them to take me to her. And they refused. And, um, you know, I, I remember the guy saying to me, um, you don't, you don't want to see this. Anyway, I, I said, I, I have no fear of what I'm going to see. I just want to be there. Right. And, um, they forbid me that. And so once they cleaned things up and, um, Everything I, w- I went back and and um, was with her, and I sat down by the bed and held her hand and and um, just remembered so many things. I mean, you know, for those maybe listening that don't know, and I'm not going to go into the depths of it, but mom was a single parent until I was 13, and so for 13 years it was just us, and it was very much a, an us against the world kind of um, scenario, and. Um, I remember her saying to me, and and you know you can say it was in my head, you can say whatever. I'm like you. I believe, I believe her spiritual presence was was there, and 
And she said to me, I did my job. I got you here. I got you this far. The rest is up to you. Wow. And, um, and it lit a fire in me. Um, probably more than anything else. Um, because it, it brought it all full circle to me. So many times, um, she, you know, when I was going through my, my crappy years, for lack of better words, but when I was going through all the stuff, you know, so many times she would say, I, I'm giving, I've given you back to God. I'm giving you back to God. And, um, you know, and, and I think of all of the sacrifices and all of the work and all of the two and three and four jobs that she worked and, and everything else for us to make it. And for her to say, I got you here, you know, you know, I finished my race. Wow. I run my course and, and you were, you were, you were what God wanted from me. Wow. Now don't blow it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, mean I, I, I could hear your mom you know, saying that. <laughs> I, I, I really believe it was kind of one of those things for me. And it was a, you know, don't blow it wow. kind of things. And, um, you know, so, um, yeah. So with, you changed with, after that. Yeah, you, I, I think, you were, I, think I, mean, I did. You were, ministry, you were in ministry then. Yeah. And so it's just, that just was, a, I've, I've never heard that. I've never, you've never told I, that. I don't know that I've told anyone that story till today. But um, what an awesome, what you an had, awesome. You had to ask. What an awesome, well, that's my job. <laughs> Pull it out. <laughs> you did. You well, did. Well, that's good stuff. Well, when you, when you think about <clears throat> the three-day significance, and so was Lazarus hanging around, or was that just a, I mean... I, I don't know. You can believe what you want on, on that. The significance of the fourth day was the fact that those three days were gone. Right. The three days that the, the Jews, for those that don't, that don't know what we're talking about, the, the Jews believed, it was a Jewish custom to believe that that's why they would rush them to the tomb so quickly. Because um, you know they had to be entombed within 24 hours, yeah. and and they would rush them to the tomb because they believed that once entombed, that the spirit would then dwell around the grave place, the burial place, for up to three days, and allowing the potential for resurrection. Mm. So once the fourth day comes, the opportunity of resurrection was gone. Wow! In their mind, in in their mind. There, there was no opportunity for this to happen. Right. Right. Except Jesus. Except Jesus. Yeah. Right. And, and I think this was going back to your original question. I think this was the groaning level of Jesus. I mean, we see it in his words to, to Martha and, and then to Mary, I am the resurrection. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and I, I don't believe that was a, a pat on the back kind of, I am the resurrection. I think it was a, I think it was a, whoa, 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 whoa. You mm. know. Shush. Right. I think it was a major shush right. moment from Jesus. I am the resurrection. I hold all of this in my hand. Yeah. And, and I need you to believe that. I need you to be willing to, to step into that depth of spirituality. That goes to the next question. What mm -hmm. do you know? And it, this is the question that you asked us. I'm not asking you this, but I'm, this is one of the questions. And I thought this was very intriguing for me, intriguing for me, is what do you know about the authoritative example, authoritative example of Jesus Christ? You know, walking in, walking in the authority that Jesus... Let me give you two parts here. So what do we know about the authoritative example of Jesus Christ? And then the second thing is if the church really knew how we could walk in the authority mm -hmm. of Jesus Christ, would we be doing all this counseling that we're doing? No. Would we be doing no. marriage seminars? Would no. we be doing this? Wouldn't need to. And why? 
because we'd, we'd be walking in the example of Christ. We'd be thinking like him. We'd be walking like him. We would be doing the things that he does. I mean, think how revolutionary it would be if the church, I'm not talking about sinners, if the church would walk in that authoritative example of Christ that, that God gave us in the word and, and the word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. It is the full authority of God culminated in the life of Jesus Christ. And, you know, if we don't get anything else, we need to get the life of Jesus Christ and, and how important it is for us to do that. I had, not to keep bringing it up, but I had someone ask me my opinions on, on The Chosen um, the other day. And um, we bring that up so much. You know, they need to involve us in their things, right? Because we're all the time talking about it. I said, look, I said, there's some liberties, you know, there's some things that I I don't know that I fully 100% believe happened or or agree with, (laughs) right? But, But, you know, the same as I have my interpretation of the surroundings, they have their interpretation of the surroundings. And I'm willing to forgive that because they get Jesus right. Yes. It is the first thing I've seen in my life, other than the passion of Christ, where someone gets Jesus right. They get him right. They get the authoritative example of Jesus right Mm -hmm. in, in that show, at least thus far. Right. And and that is worth the watch, and and also why I, I think I think we we're seeing these things today, John. I believe with all of my heart. And you can say preachers have said this for decades, and and maybe we have, but I believe the the war on the church. Forget the war on the world. The world's lost, right? Yeah. The world's always going to be lost, right? But the war on the church. The people in the church who want what they want. Regardless of the cost, regardless of what the word says, regardless of of anything else, I just want what I want and I'm going to take my bat and go home and pout if I don't get it. That mentality in the church is is warfare in, in in a deeply spiritual level. And it's happening on a level in, in the churches today that, that is unreal. Yeah, people taking their bags and going home because they want what they want, mm-hmm. and and you know, it's funny we we studied the seven churches of uh, of um, Revelations mm-hmm. last year yeah. because you know I I think God was all, all almost prophesying in that series to us that you know what we're getting ready to see it, all right. and you know what since then we have seen it. We've seen the Jezebel spirits raise up. We've seen the, um, you know, the, uh, I don't know. We, it, it's semantics, but I'll call it this: the prosperity gospel yeah. issues have risen up. And and you know, I I I don't believe in a prosperity gospel with limousines and million dollar mansions right. in five or six different places and Learjets and, and all of that. I do not believe God is in that or for that right. at all. Um, I do believe in a God of plenty. Sure. And I do believe in a God that if you do the things he asks you to do, mm-hmm. then he will reward us Absolutely. with with spiritual prosper, prosperity. Yeah that will ultimately lead us to good decisions that allow us to live a good life. Yes. That doesn't mean a rich, overbearing, millionaire, billionaire mindset life, whatever that looks like or is, right? Yeah. Because I, I don't if, – if that's the case, we're going to have to apologize to Jesus, and we're going to have to apologize to a whole lot of other people because they certainly didn't live it. I don't yeah. see any of the apostles living how yeah. on the hog right and and you know if if that were true i i think it would have been built in them right. and and we would have seen an example of that and we we certainly didn't right. um you know so i know we all kind of think of prosperity 
gospel different and it has different meaning to each of us. So that's that's what I mean when, when I say that. I think um, one of the things that bugs me with that is you're standing in front of a service and you're, you're like this, like I am. I've never went, I've never put a gratuity on going to preach. You no. never have either and all this stuff. And I've never <laughs> gone up in front of people and say, okay, if, if five people will give me a thousand dollars, you know, then God will bless you. Or send me $20 and I'll give you a pair of cloth. I mean, yeah, yeah. And, and that kind of thing. So that that's the kind of thing you're talking about. You need a prayer cloth, I'll send you a prayer cloth. Yeah, we'll send you one. Free of charge. Um, yes. Yeah. So I, I'll I, pay I, the postage. I, I get it. I, I, yeah, I understand what you're what you're saying. And and you're exactly right. When it comes to <coughs> when you Did come, we answer that question? Yes. Okay. Sorry when it comes sure. to the to authoritative, I looked that up. Able to be trusted. Yeah. Is what that means. So you think about this. Um and, and I want to say something else that goes along with this. If the people, if we did, and I think of this, if we did the things that the people in the church did and that they get away with it, they would want our head on a block mm-hmm. and kick us to the curb, would they not? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 And and so. And rightfully so. Yeah. If we did those things. Right, rightfully so. But on our side, what we're dealing with yeah. trying to get them better. Yeah. 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 And, and the funny thing about that is people tell on themselves. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? It's like, someone's, take like long. someone's like, are you going to let them, they're going to let them get by with that? They're saying this. They're saying that. They're posting this on Facebook. Nah, give it time. They'll tell on themselves. Yeah. Give it times. So they'll show the world. Who they are. What they're trying to cover and what they're trying to make me look bad so that, that they don't look bad themselves. Right. It'll all be seen. Right. It'll all be seen. Yeah. You know, and because, and I've seen God do that. I've seen God relentlessly, you know, Satan doing everything he can to use it to make the church look bad or to make me or not even me sometimes, just other preachers. Sure. And in churches I've been at where I'm I'm not the guy, um, you know, and I... You know, everyone's just handling it right spiritually. Yeah, I don't need to defend myself. God will defend me. Yeah. I've believed that for years. And he does. No, you're attacking me. Well, okay. Probably going to have to deal with God with that sooner or later because I don't have time. Right. I don't have time. I don't have yeah. time. I have people wanting to grow. Right. And those I have are people consecrating. I have people wanting to consecrate their sins. I have people wanting to draw closer to Jesus. So that's where I'm going to focus my heart. That's where I'm going to focus my energies. You want to badmouth me, you'll deal with God. Because right. I, just, I just don't have time. Because that. we work for him. Yep. And, and you know, so people normally tell on themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, and, you know, that that's why, you know, people get so upset. You're not going to defend that? You're not going to? No. All right. No. I have more important things to do. Yeah. Gosh, if I would have... If I would have tried to defend myself on anything that somebody said, I would have been busy doing that. Yeah, and, right. And, and that's uh, what Satan wants. Yeah. Satan wants us. Distractions. To, he wants us to have that fleshly entanglement. Because oh, yeah. if we're having that fleshly entanglement, we're not battling on the spiritual level. We're so on the when, flesh when side. those things come up, it's Satan saying, I can't handle you in the spirit, so I'm going to try to drag you down here into the flesh. Yes. And when we allow that to happen, guess what? Who wins? We might win the war of words, right? Right, but ultimately Satan wins because we're not focused on what we should be focused on. That's good. So now the Lord rebuke you. I'll move on with Jesus. Yeah, the um, I preached. I preached on Sunday, um, a controlled spirit. That's what I preached, and the first line was out of our last podcast, and I quoted you on this: Christians are trying to live in the spirit that is controlled by the flesh. You said that two weeks ago in the podcast that we did. And that was my opening line of my sermon on Sunday. Yep. How true is that? Very true. And then you know, I, I saw a Raven Hill. Actually, I was in the shower this morning. I was catching up on the news and, and I saw a Raven Hill. Um, Leonard Raven Hill? Yeah. Um, post. Uh, I can't even find it on my phone. I'm not even going to ask you how you but, catch the news when you're in the shower. How do you do that? You got I cor- have very specific apps that I go to. That I trust, not is your phone waterproof. Not the radio, not yeah, actually it is, but um, <laughs> not you know, not the radio, not other things like that. But I'll I'll jump there and and catch headlines each right. morning, just you know, 
So I have an understanding of what's going on in the world before I step into the world that day. Um, and also so I know what to pray for. And um, anyway, I, I saw this and I copied it and I took it to Facebook and posted it. And it says this. Here it is. It says, everyone wants to be clothed with power. Mm-hmm. Right? And this is exactly what we're you're talking about exactly what you're asking. Everyone wants to be clothed with power. Everyone wants a Pentecost. Everyone wants to claim the promises of Jesus that you'll do greater works than me. Everybody wants to claim it, right? Yeah, know where you're going. (laughs) But no one wants to be stripped of self. Right, pay the cost. That's Raven Hill years ago, right? Dude's dead. So pick up your cross. This was a quote from, from forever ago. You got to deny yourself. If your gospel and if your version of the gospel and if your version of right and wrong has anything to do with self, and, and we live in this culture of self-love, self, 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 yep. right? And, and that's Satan selling a bill of goods. Jesus said from the very beginning, yes. if you want to follow after me, if you want to be mine, if you want to go to the deep places, if you want the power yeah. to accomplish all that you want to accomplish, if you want it, mm-hmm. deny yourself. Yeah. You got to do that before you even get to the cross, man. Yeah. Right? Before you even pick up the cross, you got to deny yourself. Isn't that the most and, enjoyable and so, thing that you can do? So that's the, no. yeah. So that's the, that's the point of, of your point that you opened that sermon with, that there are a lot of people trying to walk in the spirit. Right, but but they're trying to control it by the flesh, and and the two just don't go hand in hand. And, and you know the thing about it is, Jay is, if if I stood here, or if I sat here across from you and looking at a camera, and said that I love denying myself, <laughs> I love crucifying the flesh. You gonna look at me and say you're out of your mind? Mm. I mean, who wants to do that? Mm. That's why it's called denying. That's why it's called. And look, sometimes your Christian, your Christian life, your relationship with Jesus is going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be sometimes it needs to be. Yeah. Sometimes you are going to be you're going to be tripping all over yourself because you're trying to get it right. The thing about it is, though, Pastor Jay, is that we have people that aren't even trying in this world. They're not even trying. You know, I mean, Scott Young, a buddy of mine that I went to school with, he said this one time. He said, try is failure with honors. Mm. And I never forgot that. And But one thing that we we got to think about this, I mean, are people putting any emphasis into this next statement? Do you see and understand, this is what you said in your sermon, do you see and understand your relationship with Jesus? It goes back to, Denying yourself, taking up your cross. Jesus said it. Your, I mean, it, it was said in Romans, your cross, mm-hmm. not his cross, your mm-hmm. cross. Pick up your cross and carry it. Yep. And it's not enough. It's not a, I mean, there's times that I look in the mirror and I'm thinking, are you ever going to get that right? You've got to get it right. And I look in the mirror and I say, John, you've got to get this right. Yeah. I tell myself that, you know, because you keep tripping over yourself. And it's like, okay, I've got to get this right. I've got to walk in the authoritative power of Jesus Christ and be the example. And then it's amazing how God will help you. Yeah. You know, it really is. I mean, it's just amazing. I have never experienced a podcast like this before to where I can hardly breathe. Hmm. I mean, there's been times in this thing. It's like, I mean, it's so thick in here that, I mean, it's like, do you feel that? Or is it just me? No, I do. Yeah, I mean, it's just powerful, powerful stuff. Humbling. Yeah, it really is. Um, Your fruits is is based on what you are presenting. That's that's one of the things that that I thought we would close with. Your fruit is is based on what you are presenting. So as as we wind this down, what do you say about the fruit of the church or the fruit of the people? You know, what is that? Well, you, you, the Bible talks about fruits of the Spirit. Yes, right? in Galatians, those yes. are Those are very different than the fruits of, of service. That's good. Right? And, and so many of us think that the fruits of our service, right, the fruits of our work, the fruits of, 
you know, of, of what we're doing and being seen doing those things, we, we confuse that as spiritual fruit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, no, that's just, that's just being a good spiritual person right. is, is serving and doing, doing those types of things and embodying, um, you know, embodying the service and sacrifice of, of Jesus Christ. Ultimately, we're humbling ourselves to say, you know, Jesus, when we think about humbling, man, Jesus leaving glory to come mm-hmm. here, I mean, there's no there's no greater sacrifice than that. Forget the cross. Yeah. That alone in itself was a huge sacrifice, right? right? Yeah. So us serving mm-hmm. is is a humbling, denying flesh kind of thing, right? Because mm-hmm. none of us like to mop floors. Anybody, anybody like to mop a floor? I did I, that last night at I'd, our house. I'd question your sanity if you like it. On my hands and knees with a yeah. cloth on yeah. the floor. Sam and I have both <laughs> done that many times. Um, and, you know, her more than me, just being honest. Um, <laughs> but, you know, none of us like serving in the hard and in the difficult and in the the the, yeah. the painful and, and frustrating things, right? It's not easy. And, you know, if anyone says, I enjoy that level of it, you know, you're lying. Yeah, that's your but, mind. <laughs> but... What we do enjoy is is his presence and and what he brings us to because the more willing we are to deny ourself, yeah, the more spiritual we become right and and so serving serving matters right had had a a scenario a few weeks ago, and i was I was talking about this in men's group, no names, but was talking about that where someone you know, striving for ministry, been, been prophesied over for ministry and everything else, wanted a, a timeline, basically, on it. I'm like, look, only God only God holds the timeline mm-hmm. for you on that. Only God knows that. So the best thing for you to do is to build relationships, right? Because you, yeah. don't, you don't minister from a pulpit. You minister from relationships. That's true. Right? You minister, you minister from from building relationships with people who need to hear what God is giving you to say. That's what Jesus and if, did. Yeah, exactly what Jesus did. And if you're not building those relationships because you're pulpit minded, you're never gonna get to the pulpit because you're not you're not creating the ground you need to create to properly form a, a pulpit, to properly form a place that you can minister from. Right. So mm-hmm. you have yeah. to start, you have to start building relationships. What Jesus did. Yes. You know, follow me, follow me. What did he do? He built, he built the ground that he was ultimately ministering to. He ministered to thousands, but he was ultimately ministering to those 12. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Because he knew that they would build the church. Yeah. Right? What did he say? On this rock, the rock of my testimony, not Peter necessarily, but the rock of my testimony. Right. I'll build my church. Yes. Right? So what was he saying? He was saying, I have built this relationship, these relationships with you. Yes. That you might carry on the work. That's right. So good. And and so if we're not making that investment and and if we're not willing to spend that time Mm-hmm. Growing in ourself, growing in our in our um, relationships and in our marriages and and everything else, all biblical principles. Yes, to prepare ourselves for what God has has ordained or, or prophesied for us. Right, we'll never get there. Right, we will never ever ever get there. Why? Because He doesn't want you in His pulpit. Right, He wants Him in His pulpit. Mm-hmm. And and so we when we get when we get I, nothing bothers me I got a word. Well, I don't want your word, right? I don't want your word, right? Tell me what tell me the word God has. Yes, right. But what what do all the prophets say? I don't I don't remember a single prophet saying I got something, right? I got something for you, right? Right? No, what do the prophets say? I have heard from the Lord. Right. Yes. Oh, I can feel it. 
huh? I have heard. Yeah. I have heard from the Lord. <laughs> That's good. And this is what he says. Yes. This is what he says. Right. And when we, when we step there yeah. and we're willing to make the sacrifices to step into that place, yes. that is when the power falls. Oh, I'm going to preach if you don't turn this thing <laughs> off. Mm. Feel heaven in here. The, um, there's a cost in walking with Jesus. My mentor told me that years ago, James Ashworth. He's in heaven now. He said, Brother John, you have to die out to the flesh. He says, you've got to give it all to Jesus. Amen. And so today, if you're that person that has been listening, tears running down your eyes and say, I need Jesus, just ask him to forgive you. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Just say, Father, come into my life. Live in my life. Use me for your kingdom, glory, and honor. And, and, and get in a Bible-believing church. God can do great things in you. And I tell you what, if you need a Bible, you, you text Jay or me, myself, and we'll send you one free of charge. And uh, we'll bless you because you're such a blessing to us. God is so faithful. And we just appreciate you, Jesus. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives and how you're blessing, how you're moving in these churches. And God, we just pray in the name of Jesus as uh, Jesus together continues. God, that you're going to do great things in this next sermon and the sermons after that. I pray for Pastor Jay, just for revelation to come from heaven, that you'll use him in a mighty way. And God, we give you praise and give you honor for it in Jesus' name. Don't forget to download the app and make sure that you do that. Tell your friends about it. Share, like, and subscribe the podcast today. If you would like to give to this ministry, text the word PULSE to one 3187 Go to thepulsechurch.com, give through PayPal, or mail your love gift to P.O. Box 561, Eleanor, West Virginia, 25070. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening and watching the Pulse WV Live, a network that beats to the heart of God.